Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to part three of the Keep So Long series. Uh, another episode of London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Uh, with esteemed guest Tweeds joining us as always. If you haven't listened, part one is all about the goalkeepers, defenders. Part two is all about the midfielders, and this being part three, um, attackers. And we're using attackers broadly: wingers, forwards, strikers, whatever you want. Uh, it's Tens. a bucket, bunch of players here. So, uh, be polite, Joe. Welcome back. Appreciate you spending your seventh hour with us today. As we break all this down. <laughs> Yeah, it's that uh, Titanic gif, isn't it? It's been 84 years since uh, <laughs> the last episode. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to be here. I know. It, it was light out when we started this, and now Tweeds is probably <laughs> in candlelight mode at this point. It's getting a little uh, bit darker, yeah, I won't lie. <laughs> so context, as always, uh, attackers that have just left, Pedro and William, that is official, uh, transfers in, Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech are announced. Um Likely is the Akim Zia, or I'm sorry, the uh, the uh, Kai Averts. I don't know why I went back to, to Ziyech. Um, players we won't talk about, don't really have any. And then loans, Armando Broja, who just had a brace in a, in a reserve friendly today. At mm-hmm. Vitessa, Charlie Brown at Union St. Gilouise. Izzy Brown went to Sheffield Wednesday and Ike Ugbo at Circle Bruja. So Also scored in his debut. Yeah. Ta-da! It's going well. <laughs> Let's see if we can maintain it. Um, but as we look at attackers, the first one up is one Christian Pulisic. 
I didn't stack the deck. This is just how it worked. And we all have keep. Um, but while everyone has heard kind of our opinion on Christian and his, his season that has gone on, I mean, tweets from your perspective, uh, Christian Pulisic, you want to keep, what kind of a role does he have going into next season? Oh yeah. Good question. Um, so I think my, I think the biggest thing for me with Pulisic this season is that certainly the second half of the season, I could see the the style of player that he wanted to be, that he was trying to become really sort of emerge. Um, this is a guy that I was a little bit sort of, I wouldn't say dubious or speculative when we signed him. I watched him a lot at Dortmund. I saw a guy that was talented, but maybe didn't really know kind of the avenue he was going down. Um, you know, I, I've heard anecdotally that he spent a lot of time with, with Pedro, looking at Pedro's game at Barcelona, similar kind of you know, sort of player. Um, and then obviously the sort of second half of the season for me just completely exploded in terms of his quality. Um, like somebody sort of focused him on the kind of player that he should be, you know, direct, getting in behind players, being sort of the real kind of focal point of the team. Um, and the, the whole kind of post sort of bubble period for him was just exceptional. Um, by, by far, I think by far the best player for Chelsea. My only concern with him now is obviously we need to keep him fit. Um, and I'm not sure really if he's, if he's ever had injury problems before Chelsea, but you know, you look at sort of the the attention that he was starting to command from teams. And I'm not going to quite say it was at Eden Hazard levels of attention, but it was certainly getting there. You know, you could see teams starting to put not just the fullback, but the, the centre-back drifting out, the holding midfield drifting out a little bit, stopping from cutting in and, and sort of creating things. So I think next season, you know, he went from probably being our best player in terms of the post-lockdown period. I mean, my personal opinion would be that he now has to start looking at becoming the talisman figure for, for the club. Yes, we signed Werner. Yes, there's potentially the Havertz that comes in. But if I'm Pulisic, you know, the way that I finish the season, that, that for me is, is the benchmark of where I need to be. The Liverpool game, the game, the, the City game, the game where he's been the deciding factor. Um, you know, and I think for the thing with me is he doesn't always have to be spectacular for the 90 minutes. But if he has that decisive moment of quality, assist or goal, that for me, that, that's what's going to start separating him from other players who are sort of similar ability to him. I think that for me is, is the biggest jump from him is that even if he hasn't had a stellar game, you know, he, he's influencing the game. And that, that's where I think the comparisons or the trend towards Hazard would be. Sometimes Hazard would literally waddle around the pitch for 90 minutes. He'd get the ball on the left-hand side, beat four people and put it in the top corner and that, that's the end of the game. Um, Pulisic for me is getting towards that level now. So, you know, I think he needs to continue whatever he's been doing in terms of either it's evaluating his own game or whatever he's been doing. Um, but set himself the, the benchmark now. This, this is the benchmark my, for my level of performance. Um, be decisive in the games to attract more players to be really disruptive I think I think the sky's the limit for him now you know I think he he's really developed a sense of style a sense of what kind of player he wants to be um you know and I think that that for me has been the biggest transition from Dortmund to Chelsea is now I see the kind of player that, I, that he that he's going to be and in a team where so many players want to come to the ball and receive to the ball to feet the fact that he's willing to run behind for me is the biggest biggest positive you know, and I think that's where the whole Pedro thing comes in from Barcelona. Pedro was that guy. And we saw him at Chelsea, some of the runs he were making to, to get balls were, were fantastic. I think now that Pulisic has realised, actually, you know what? I'm pretty quick. I think everyone knew that anyway. But OK, so if teams are playing high lines, then, you know, why not, why not get him behind? So the fact that he's willing to do that just completely changes the dynamic of Chelsea's attack. So, um, yeah, so from a player that I was a little bit speculative at the beginning of the season to a player now who I think is one of the first names on the team sheet, Huge season, a growth, huge positive season for him. 
my only thing now is I just want him to be fit. Yeah. I think staying healthy is key for him. Yeah. Uh, he's clearly the most dynamic option we currently have in the team as far as going forward. And it's the scary thing, just jumping in then, the scary thing for me thinking about it is now you have potentially Pulisic and Werner up front. We haven't had that kind of pace in the team ever. I mean, really, maybe going back to like Robin and Duff times when they were both rapid. We've not had really the ability where, you know, teams will, even like the cities and Liverpools now that will defend on the halfway line, they want to compress the game, they want to press. Are you really going to do that if Werner and, and Pulisic are playing on the shoulder? I don't care how quick Van Dijk is. He's not quicker than them two running the other way. Um, so, I mean, it really does change the dynamic of the team now that you've got two absolute burners up there who can finish. Right. Uh, the finishing was, was I, I think, where he really yeah. improved this year. I mean, good Lord. I mean, the, his finish against Palace was yep. was top class. City, and, and I think, all the time in the world, you know, th- those are the ones yep. that you miss normally. Um, yeah, yeah I, ju- I just think he just had such an amazing period of growth this in 2020. 2019, I still think he was he played well in, in fits and spurts. But then you be, when you become a really good player, it's, it's consistency, consistently impacting yeah. the game. But he, he, he deserves all the credit. He's obviously taken whatever has been said to him on board privately from, from the coaching staff. Um, he's worked with senior players. He's asking the right questions to the guys of Ped, you know, Pedro and, and others. How, how should I be doing this? How would you approach this? And we've seen, we've seen the growth. You know, he could yeah. be really one of the best players we've signed. And, and looking back on it, the amount of money we spent isn't really that, that great considering the, the kind of transfer fees where we're seeing being thrown around for slightly less talented players now. For sure. And I think the last two points I'd make on him are he's a leader with the way that he approaches the game. He's, he's not the most vocal guy. We, we know that, but he's definitely a leader His his little cameo against Liverpool proved that out beyond a yeah. reasonable doubt. Um, and I think the, the last point I'd make on him tactically is in a four, two, three, one. I think he's locked on as our number 10 with Werner coming off the left and Ziyech on the right. And Knowing how flexible each one of those players can be, good fucking luck with that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I just really uh, that that gives me the chills. Kind of thinking about Pulisic coming a little bit deeper to maybe accept the ball uh, from a number ten spot and then passing it out wide or, or continuing his run to free up space for other players. I mean, it's going to be scary. It's going to be dangerous on the left. <laughs> it's it's just going to be you know when you look at. Uh, Chilwell kind of coming into the left-hand side there. You look at, you know, Mount has done really well on that left too. And you kind of look at, you know, Christian potentially as being you know, maybe in that front three. You know, if Werner starts centrally, it's, it's just going to be, you know, the attacking output that this side is going to have next season is pretty, pretty exciting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you, if you guys have ever seen any, any sort of, you know, Kai Havertz highlights package. The amount of passes he puts on the plate for people have to end up in like ever. rogue... <laughs> row Z 17 miles over the crossbar from some of his teammates you know the thought of him being able to put some of these balls through to someone like Pulisic with the pace he has you know I mean we're talking about for me if he doesn't get 15 goals next season I'd be very disappointed I think (laughs) he's got the ability to be you know to get there yeah especially if he plays all season right I mean he only played for half of it this year I mean yeah I think from a, a settling and transition season for Christian, even with the injuries, it was about as good as it could have gone. New league, new team, just a lot to learn. And the fact that he scored his hat trick against Burnley is hilarious because that's the last team you'd expect him to <laughs> score a hat trick against. Um, but see, seems settled, seems um, 
you know, comfortable. Uh, He's on on vacation with a lot of the other young guys. Like it all seems to be trending in a really great position. So uh, hyped as always for Christian to continue his success at Chelsea. Um, one of the players who, at the beginning of the season, we thought maybe would keep Christian out of the team was Callum Hudson-Odoi. Um, signed the big contract, fended off Bayern, unfortunately also had an Achilles injury as well. Um, so not quite the season he probably wanted, but he's still young. He's just super, super young. Callum Hudson-Odoi uh, right now is under contract until the summer of 2024. He's still 19, turning 20 this fall. Um, I said keep, but I'm open to a loan. Dan keep, Nick keep says plenty of matches for game time. Joe keep. So Dan, I mean, Calum Hudson Odoi's role next next seasons. It's probably not starter based on the first couple matches. What's that? You know, if at least for the first couple matches. I mean, we know that Christian's coming back off of his injury. You know, with his hamstring, I think that was a you know projected to be about a four or five week turnaround. You know, he may get protected maybe for you know one or two matches to start the season so you know i i wouldn't be surprised if callum is on our first team sheet for the first match of the season and you know ultimately you know it's going to be up to him to make it competitive this year in getting into this side you know i know that he uh, has played really well on the left uh you know more likely than not right now he would be on the the right hand side and kind of fighting for a spot against uh, Ziyech at the moment, I would imagine. And that that's not going to be that's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to rotate through with some regularity, Nick, and I think if he can get back to assisting and then also, you know, what we saw in the in the Byron match, you know, even though it was a little bit of a a, a dead rubber moment, um that, you know, he has the quality to to add some spark into our attack. Yeah, I mean, I I am a little less high on him than I was when he was really breaking through. But I, I think there's just a tremendous amount of upside and opportunity. And again, the, the, when I say there are plenty of matches, I mean, good God, he will have all the opportunity that he can grab. It's just whether or not he grabs it or not. Um, you know, and you start, you know, against Byron in the second leg, which was a formality, right? We were just playing that game to get it over with. You started to see little flashes of him gaining confidence again, Joe. I think it's just, can he grow enough and sustain enough uh, from a confidence standpoint to be valuable to this team when he's not starting every match? That's the question. Yeah. Um, I think with Callum, I think that the one thing I would say is that he has struggled, and I would say he's not alone in coming out of academy football here, but he's struggled to really adapt to the men's game in, in sort of the same way. You know, this was a guy that, I mean, academy football was pretty easy for him, you know, in terms of, in terms of his sort of overall kind of game. Um, you know, he's, he's not really had consistent runs in the team. He's not really had, you know, in terms of this year, obviously we know everything that sort of transpired with him. We won't sort of go over that, that kind of stuff again. He's not really had the best um, time, I would say, from a personal standpoint this year. The contract, you know, that was really negative and we, we know the COVID sort of situation that happened as well obviously wasn't wasn't exactly ideal. Um, I'm hoping that he's turned a little bit of a corner in terms of his maturity. I know that he's been back training early. He's sort of been the first one back. He seems to have also spoken quite maturely about sort of his own performance and actually, you know, what he needs to do now to get better. So I'm hoping that he can actually sort of take that forward and, and then sort of, you know, kind of start adjusting his game. The point will be again that I think that he needs for me 
regular football to do that. Um, and although I, I do agree with Dan, I think that he will play quite a big role in the early part of the season. But you never know if he hits the ground running and he starts playing fantastic, then it's obviously up to everyone else to get him out of the team. You know, that That's when you're in a really good squad when all of a sudden the, you know, the, the fourth choice guy comes in, starts playing really well, and then your, your kind of top two guys are scrapping out to get him out of the team. We've lacked a little bit of that, that competitiveness, certainly over the past few years. I think we've, we've kind of spoken before about there being too many default starters in the team that don't really have any pressure on them. Yeah. Um, and it's his job really, you know, to kind of put these guys under pressure with his performances. I, I would like to keep him. I'd like to keep him around. I still think that certainly if he can start to translate some of that potential that he has into a first-team player, that he has every shot in the world to be a starter at Chelsea. But I, I think probably at the moment he needs consistent minutes to do that. So while I'd keep him around, and I think my key was more with a view to the early part of the season, you know, if is injured, I don't want to rush him back and then injure him again. You know, Werner and, and Zyke maybe take a bit of time to hit the ground running. Obviously, Pedro and, and William are out the door. He's kind of the only one at the moment who really knows the system in terms of being fit. Um, but he may potentially need to go on loan in January to, to sort of go in and sort of discover himself as a player. So you know, he wouldn't be the only one that's needed to leave and, and sort of find himself in terms of adult football elsewhere. Um, he's obviously got the big contract now, which hopefully, you know, can become something that is not sort of thrown at him every single time he doesn't score six goals in a game. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I think from his standpoint now, it's about playing football. So he's going to get games early on in the season, maybe the first month, two months, you know, but then, then it's up to him to keep, in, keep himself in the team. If he's scoring, if he's assisting, if he's doing the defensive work, I think that's always the big thing with him is the defensive work of the game um, that the Lampard is after, then I think he, he could stay in the team. Um, but, you know, he's going to be under massive, massive pressure now in terms of guys he brought in. Obviously, for me, Pulisic probably is the default starter. Um, Zayek is, is going to be obviously a guy that they're going to look at considerably on the right-hand side. Um, Werner can play there. We know that Kai uh, Havertz, if he does come, can play left, can play right. So it's not like he now has zero competition. So it's going to be a tricky season for him. But if he has the maturity that he's shown in the past couple of weeks, maybe he rises to the occasion. He might be the surprise of the season. Yep. A lot of aspirations, a lot of hope. He's still young. Again, yeah. he's he's one of those players that sometimes we forget. He's 19, like I said, turning 20 this fall. Uh, next up is a World Cup winner, Olivier Giroud. Recently voted to have the best uh, post-quarantine hair by the podcast. Thanks mm. to Dan <laughs> Ting. Important, exactly important award. Yeah, exactly. He's under contract till next summer. We knew that. Um, he went from leaving last January to starting to extending his deal for another year. Um, we've all got keep on it. So again, you know, Nick, I, I know you're a big uh, fan just because you guys share uh, a beard style, mm. uh, you know, but Giroud again <laughs> offers something different to Timo Werner, to Tammy, to the wingers, to the other attackers. And he's a vet. Yeah, the beard is the only reason I like him. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. I, I think for him, this the the playing time may not be as much as he would hope for, um, but he's still going to be an incredibly valuable asset to the team. Thinking about you know the way that we struggled against some of these block nines, you know this year he was valuable in helping us link play and getting players behind, which is the key to breaking those defenses back down. If you have them turning and running at their own goal, that's when opportunities are created for us. Um, so I, I think there's still a, a incredible amount of space for him and his presence alone, his veteran presence will be uh, something that we will not uh, overlook. 
Anyone else want to jump in on the Ali Giroud? I mean, it's pretty straightforward, obviously. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything different. You need a third choice striker. Yeah. 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 I, I, I look, I between Werner, Tammy, and Drew, I actually think there's like the perfect balance of experience, youth. They dynamic. all do something different too. I mean, they're all different, yep. and it, yep. it provides you with options. And by the way, he's not going to just take third spot lying down either. He's no. a competitor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that about him. Like, exactly, exactly. Um, great. Well, uh, this might surprise you. We're not that far in, but we are going to take an ad break because it's a shorter episode, less attackers. So again, thanks to the ad for financially supporting the show. Um, we're back. We got Tammy, Mishi, and then some other players you might have forgotten about because uh, we just need to fill out the roster. So anyways, we'll be right back. All right. Tammy Abraham keeps the loan. Um, almost the clean sweep on this one with keeps, uh, but me jumping off the train and just calling him our number nine. There's that. That's that's a fact. That's just the way it is. Tweeds, Tammy Abraham, pretty successful first season, all things considered. It being a weird season. Um, but again, Tammy, his role moving forward. You got Timo Werner coming in. That's not going to be, you know, lightweight for him to try to move. I, it's, uh, I think, but I think the way that he, he spoke about it, sort of, uh, I don't know if it was the end of the buying game for me, was, was really nice to see. Um, you know, I don't think any of these academy sort of kids are under any illusions that Chelsea Football Club is not a youth club. You know, they're not, they're not just here to, give a couple of kids a run in the team that we're here to, to win trophies. Um, and I hope that he kind of takes that as a challenge and responds to it. I think the thing with him will be about now his development as a, as a footballer. Um, there's something I've spoken about a little bit sort of on, on Twitter, maybe not so much on pods is when you actually look at his, his development as a player, the, the one skill that he really lacks is what Oli Giroud is fantastic at, which is link play, holding the ball up, bringing, bringing teams into, bringing the rest of the team up the pitch. Um, that sort of physical aspect of using your body. Now, as a as an academy player, Tammy played wide. He played up front. He just used to finish goals. He was basically just there to score. You know, the, as, as in the Chelsea academy team, you're not looking for your number nine to drop in and, and play into and play off of. You've got three midfielders who can dribble around everyone and score anyway. So it's a little bit different. When he went to Bristol, exactly the same thing. He was there to score goals. And the same with Villa. You know, he was, he's always been in the team just to finish chances. And now he's come to Chelsea there's an expectation that certainly the number nine is more of a reference point. If anyone's watched any of these sort of Steve Holland uh, videos surfacing on, uh, I think it's a YouTube channel called Coaching Voices or Coaches Voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Highly, highly recommended. Um, yeah, they're the amazing. The way that he talks about, yeah, it's fantastic. But the way he talks about centre forward play, about being a reference point, about being able to hold the ball up, being able to be a, like a pressure valve for the team. You know, if you're under pressure, you can knock it up to Giroud. He's going to hold it for five, six seconds. The team can push up. That aspect of Tammy's game, I don't think he's ever really had to work on before Chelsea. So while there were certainly improvements, I think towards the latter part of the season, you know, that, that aspect of his game, how good he gets it, it would depend how much of a challenge he can give to Timo Werner. Because Werner is not going to be a guy who comes deep and holds the ball up. Werner's going to be getting in behind, looking to score. You know, exactly. He's going to be a very, very vertical player in terms of what, what's being offered of him. Tammy, for me, should be looking at Giroud, looking at Drogba, Costa, all of the guys that have come before him. And seen that you know most successful Chelsea teams that win titles have strikers who can bring others into play. And while he may think that his game is purely about scoring goals, if he can add that to his game, then actually that puts him on a sort of a bit of a more of an even kill with Werner. Werner is the better mm-hmm. finisher. He's got better athleticism, better pace. He's got the goal scoring record that, that Tammy doesn't have. Um, but if if Tammy can be the guy that brings in players, you know, what starts working well with Mount, with Havertz, with 
um, Pulisic, with all of these guys potentially that also might be coming in, then that, that gives him something that, that potentially Werner doesn't have and makes him a legitimate option. Then maybe it's Werner who's coming off the right or coming off the left or whatever. Um, and Tammy is the main guy up front. So I think that he had a good season. He's shown that he can score goals in the Premier League. Um, and he got a little bit a bit of stick because he had a bit of a, a dodgy patch in 2020. I think personally he was knackered, um, not used to playing this physical role before, not used to having the physical exertion that you have from, from doing the Giroud role. Um, hopefully that he's now kind of you know, rested and, and will come back and, and, and improve. But, you know, these kind of strikers that, that Tammy should become, they're best in sort of 25 onwards. You think of Zlatan, you think of Drogba, you think of all of the tall physical strikers, Costa, etc. They've all peaked in their late 20s. So he's got plenty of time. Um, just a question now, I, I think he needs to realise that for him to become a striker of Chelsea's calibre, he needs to adopt his game or adapt his game to be the reference point striker rather than the guy who's going to finish things. Because he could still, you know, he could still score 15, 20 goals a season just doing that. But you want to be in the team and you want to be the guy that Lampard's going to count on. Change the way that you play slightly. I think that gives him a massive, massive opportunity to be the Chelsea number nine that potentially he he thinks he should be. Well, you have he has the frame. I mean, like, yeah, the, he's got the frame. The, yeah. He, has, he, he has doesn't play God, size though. No, no, he has the God given ability to to make yeah. that happen. And I think that's the the scary part with Tammy is like, man, if you like not not become Gary Cahill built out, but like you build <laughs> out a little bit and yeah. you you know you kind of find whatever kind of peak you know, kind of form that you know, your drug but later in life, who was still really lean, but was physical, um, yeah. that, you know, that could be scary. I mean, really, really scary. I think Dan, the thing that I look at with Abraham is going into this year, the formation that continually pops into my head, having seen some positional analysis about Timo Werner and where he is most effective or was most effective for Leipzig is coming off the left and the formation transitioning from a four, two, three, one to a four, four, two and back very easily, because I think both of them working off of each other is a, is an interesting thing. Yeah. The, the, the fact that maybe Timo dropping in just a, a little deeper, um, to then, you know, if Tim is able to kind of facilitate the ball off, um, you know, the, and if they're kind of both coming in on the left, if you think about Pulisic and Werner, it just it gets it gets super scary. I don't I don't know. I mean, it, this this lineup makeup should be giving a lot of defenses in the Premier League some nightmares because we've added a ton of pace. We've added a ton of technical ability. We have a lot of ability to score goals in our front, which last season we had the opposite problem, which is where are all the goals going to come from? And now this season we have, oh man, we have a lot of people who can score goals. How do we fit them all into this side? Uh, and then also, you know, not concede as many too. But it, I think the the thing I would like to see from, from Tammy this season is what we've all kind of just talked about, which is the, you know, ability to bring others into the game a little bit more. You know, he has scored some really, you know, Goals that I think would actually be really tough for a lot of strikers to to pull out of their locker. You know, he he scored uh, with his head. He scored with his feet. He scored with his knees. He's he, he's finding ways to be in the right position, Brandon. And I think you know his his general analysis for knowing where to be, in addition to adding maybe just another element of his game, is just going to make him r- really hard to displace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean. It's it's bright future for Tammy. We're excited again. It's very different than Timo Werner, but perfect for him to learn from and and offer something different. Next one up, uh, Mishi Batshuayi. 
under contract until uh, 2021, which is next summer. So he's a bit of a situation for us right now. He's 26, entering the prime, quote-unquote, of his career. Hasn't really played much in the last, really since joining Chelsea. Um, we all said sell. Tweeds even said hell. You can loan him if it gets him off our books. You know, and at this point, you essentially be loaned with a buy option because he'll be free, you know, so whatever. Um, look, you know, I don't know, Dan, like it's Mishi. <laughs> He's a great character, but sure. I, I feel like we've seen less of that lately. And so it's like we don't even get the fun Mishi and we don't get the Mishi that scores goals against West Brom to lock up the title. Like what what are we left with with him? He had a run from Frank in the beginning of the season, but that clearly didn't work out. Well, you you also had Tammy just start the season. You know, it took a couple games, but found his form and started scoring, which made it easy for Frank to say, "Well, it's going to be Tammy, and then maybe I'll bring in Mishi occasionally, but I'm going to get Tammy accustomed to Premier League football." And then Giroud was there and ready to go in the second half of the the following season. So, you know, I think the way I think about this is just we, we need to find some return on value. And so selling him, whether it's to uh, a team in Syria, there's been some links in Italy, whether it's to potentially Leeds and, and bringing him back with, with Bielsa, I mean, that that would be a good opportunity. I think it, it wouldn't take much to pry him away from Chelsea at this point from a financial offer standpoint, Joe. So it's just more about getting him to a place where he can go enjoy football again. Don't need four strikers. <laughs> I think to uh, to quote the inimitable Claude, it's time to go. Famous, uh, <laughs> famous. Uh, what was it? Was it that? I think it was at Wenger, wasn't it? Yeah. But uh, no, I mean Mishi is. Uh, yeah, he's an enigma wrapped up in a tool chest in the bottom of the ocean. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with him. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I, I maintain that I think the fact that he is a good finisher, I think that he has that ability still but how he actually works in the grand scheme of a tactic remains to be seen. I think if you send him to a club where it was like, okay, Misha, just stand up front and when the ball comes score, he'd be like, cool. He'd probably score 20 goals a season doing that. You know, I think we've seen some of the goals he's scored here, even some of the under 23 goals and stuff when he's been involved. Really, really unnatural ability to finish, but doesn't press, has absolutely no idea where he should be standing half of the time. Um, Generally doesn't seem like he can take on any instructions from any manager. Um, and even the weird thing for me was when he, I know he was injured in Dortmund, but he had that fantastic run of scoring and assisting, but then they still didn't fancy him after that. Um, so I think he's, he's an example of an extremely talented finisher who maybe just doesn't have the game IQ. And I would say certainly the amount of loans that he's been on where he's done okay, but they've never really fancied him probably backs that up. So I struggle to see where, where, you know, where he's going to be sold, um, I know Leeds were potentially interested in him. Maybe you can try and get him somewhere, but um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a, a tricky one. I think potentially he'll stay around or just leave one of three next next summer, which isn't great for us in terms of trying to recoup some money on him. But you know, he was uh, wasn't. I mean, he was fairly expensive at the time. Was he thirty two and well, yeah, the, the period when we only paid thirty two and a half million pound for players, um, he was one of those. Um, so you are taking a fairly decent hit in terms of not recouping any of that money, but. I don't think really at the moment that there appears to be any kind of market for him. And, you know, it's it's a shame he played absolutely next to no football last season. Um, 
So maybe it's difficult for people to try and buy into him as a centre forward. But for me, he's just never really had that all round game. And even if you are a great finisher, you know, Sergio Aguero was a great finisher, but he still has a, a tactical role in the City team and he plays to plays to sort of instruction. I think with Michi, that's just never the case. So it's going to be difficult for him to or someone to buy into that. You know, you just have to just put him up front and just, you know, kind of play with 10 men and just let him let him do what he wants to do. Um, not many teams obviously will will kind of do that. Every team now presses on the front, etc. So be a difficult one for him to, to be shifted on. But yeah, for me, it's just a question of just getting him out of the club. Not not because I dislike him, whatever, but he's just one of these players that are just hanging around, you know, 90k a week, 100k a week, whatever it is, you know, to to basically just be there to to train. I mean, I'd love to do it for a year, just you know, get paid five and a half million pound, or whatever, <laughs> just to sit on my uh, sit on my backside on the bench and just kick kick balls at uh, Kepper, you know, for five days a week. But uh, you know, there has to be a better resort, a better use of Chelsea's resources than just paying him for another season. No, he plays one v one against Ingolo Kante. Is the, is yeah, the of operative course, word yeah. actually? Is the operative preposition past, not at? Kickballs <laughs> yeah. past Kepa. Yeah, well, sorry, yeah, yeah. Give Kepa too much credit there. <laughs> I mean, look, he he joined Chelsea, you know, for thirty nine million euro. So yeah, probably around that thirty two million pound mark. Went then he's been on loan at Dortmund, Valencia, Crystal Palace. I mean, it, it's it's just been a journey. Sadly, to Joe's point, I think he will leave on a free, which is. Not great for us, but um, it just kind of is what it is. And is, as far as that situation, Mishi's our four striker. That'd be a bummer to keep him on the books because he's not going to play over, you know, younger guys that might be coming up. So, um, all right, digging deep into the roster now. So we this isn't a twenty-five minute episode. Is uh, Kennedy who's on contract until twenty twenty-two? Uh, let's see. I said who? Yeah, we'll sell him. Dan sell him. Nick said toodles, which I think meant toodaloo. Uh, and then Joe said, convert him to a permanent left back and let Roberto Carlos season commence. Oh, look, yes, guys, this, is, yeah. this is the only factual way of doing this. <laughs> I mean, look, with Kennedy, it was we've seen glimpses. It seemed exciting. He's still only 24. It just hasn't come off, no matter what league or what team he's been on. And I think that's, you know, Nick, why everyone's just kind of like reserved to say, it's one of those things like, the experiment failed, let's move on. Like, why are we keeping him on the books and renewing contracts and putting him on a loan? I mean, the effort and the time invested probably is costing us at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's just not, it's not there. Um, I, I He was exciting for a period of time, but that period of time was like four or four five years, years ago. ago. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I just don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. All right. Well, I think we'll we'll keep that pretty simple. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we don't need any left-sided players as well. So from like a team formation standpoint, Kennedy doesn't add anything unless we have a Brazilian quota we need to maintain. Then he would check the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another Brazilian <laughs> Lucas Piazon. <laughs> Still under contract until next summer. Uh, I just uh, he sell, dance and sell. Joe said, I'm amazed he's still here. Put him in a taxi and just get rid of him. Let him ride off in the sunset, though. You did say it nicer than what I made you out to be. Nick, I don't know what that's supposed to be. I mean, he was here under Rafa. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. NT12, he's been here since uh, yeah, I eight just, years. He came I just, with Aspie. I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> well, like a I package deal. <laughs> I, I, I put the sort of younger Brazilian lookalike. <laughs> I, I I put uh, the Brazilian Chow on here because uh, I uh, think I, I looked that up um, specifically for him just to say a uh, a goodbye. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know he what 
where he would go, what value he would add, or anything. I mean, Dan, you look like you really want to talk about Lucas Piazon. And <laughs> I mean, he's our new uh, Deloc, right? Or uh, you know, he's he's just been here. He just exists at the club, and he <laughs> will not play first team minutes. So at least Deloc was here. Piazon has been on planes in different countries. I mean, he's been all over. He's been everywhere but Cobham. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's ultimately you know. Either you sell him this season or you decide that you're going to just let him go for free. Ultimately, he's been here enough time. Like, just allow him to go play football. Peacefully into the night. Yeah. Honestly, I can't can't believe he extended the last time he did. I thought we were, you know, for sure he was gone. And then they extended him long. is that, you know, and, and Joe, maybe this is a good kind of contextual point, but Chelsea tend to play pay pretty good wages for some of our, our loan players. Yes. So ultimately being in Chelsea setup, if you know that you're not going to be maybe a first team player that, you know, you, you know that you're a strong asset that, you know, maybe you, you know, you're, you're be- almost betting that you're not going to potentially be a starter or going to get sold. Eventually this is actually a really good setup for players who are not, you know, know they're not a first team, maybe footballer. I mean, the only real interesting thing I think to mention about uh, Piozon was the, when Chelsea signed him was kind of the peak of the number 10 era in football. So everyone was playing 4-2-3-1. Mm. Everyone had a number 10 who literally did nothing apart from create like the, you know, Mato and Urzu and all the, that they were like the sort of the trendy players. And then I think the season after, like it, football completely changed. People started playing 4-3-3, number 10s died um, and have continued to sort of die over the next sort of eight seasons. So I think, when Chelsea bought him, I remember him having some like insane stat for a Brazil youth team. He, he had like, uh, I don't know, 10 or 11 goals in like seven appearances for like uh, the under 16s or sort of 15s or something like this. So Chelsea thought that they were getting a number 10 in who was like going to be the future of the club. And then football completely changed and he just obviously has never been able to adapt. Didn't quite have the pace to play out wide, wasn't quite you know good enough to play out front, not defensive enough to play in central midfield. So he's almost been in kind of this, yeah, this sort of purgatory of not really having a position in modern football. I think it's why he and, and a few other players you could point to as well that sort of were, were young and, and maybe coming into the era just as the number 10 was, was dying out have never really kind of kicked on in, in terms of their career. I actually just checked the bench for PSG tonight and Julian Draxler is another player that comes to mind. He was that sort of number 10 mm-hmm. in Germany who I felt was fantastic, certainly in sort of his Schalke days, but then football's changed and where do you play him? He's not quite good enough to be a, a number eight in the midfield, not quite quick enough to play wide. Um, so Piers on, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame, but, you know, it just shows you how football changes and how that can impact someone's career. So I remember him just being super, super, really, really highly thought of coming into the club. It's Goetze too. I mean, it's that, it's that profile of player. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goetze is a great example. Well, Nick, you uh, have now achieved all we need from you this pod. I think you can head out. Unless you mm. want to jump into the last player we have, as I get excited Fashion to hype this icon. one up. Charlie Musanda Jr. under contract till the summer of 2022. Obviously, he's had a run of bad injuries. In my own personal opinion, a run of bad advice given to him. Uh, maybe some growing pains with attitude. I mean, at one point, he was the next Eden Hazard, no question. He was a, a global talent, hyped up to be, um, you know, it was a huge coup that we got him, Dan. And it, there was some promise, you know, he was pushing hard to get some first team appearances, got a couple, didn't do anything with them. He's still, I mean, he's still young. So you think about a few years ago when he was doing this for us, like 
he he wasn't you know it, i don't know i don't want to compare him to like the calm hudson adoy situation but there's like slight similarities as far as like young pushing for first team when maybe he wasn't quite ready you're talking about the time he completely deleted all mentions of chelsea via his instagram profile is that the <laughs> that was fun yeah uh i mean yeah. he's 23 he should go on alone we should figure out if there's anything there and determine how we help him transition. I mean, I think the thing is, like, this season has to be thought of with the knowledge that next season the loan stipulations of lower amount of loanies being available to, to teams to try and prevent what Chelsea and others have done uh, by being a selling club and amassing a massive loan army and loaning 30, 40 players off in a season is not going to be viable anymore. Let's figure out what it, should we try to retain him in our infrastructure or should we try to kind of turn turn a profit here? And so, I mean, I think that's that's the reality where it's at. And then let him go play football. I mean, that, you know, that, that's that's where we need to be with a lot of these players who are kind of just have been on the books for some time, Joe, that we just need to make a determination and move forward before we, we can't loan them or loan in mass anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um... Rosonda is is a really fascinating case of of youth team football in general. Um, you know, for, for viewers who maybe aren't, aren't sort of quite aware of his whole journey, like Chelsea literally signed his entire family to bring him to the club, very similar to Eden Hazard actually in that respect. So, you know, the the expectation wasn't that he was just a youngster. It, it generally was that he would go on to become someone who would be pretty special in, in sort of world football. You know that that Chelsea signed uh, Torgan Hazard, and I don't know if there was another Hazard that we signed. There's, there seems to be like seven hundred of them. Killian yeah. Hazard. Killian, yeah. yeah. You know, so we, we signed both of his brothers and I think we, we did Lemisha and Tika, I think were the guys where the names yeah. signed them as well to, to bring them over with Musonda. Um but yeah, this you know, this is an example of of I think a player who's made every bad decision potentially in his like personal life and, and not related to football, really that hasn't helped him. I was a little bit dubious when he came and the first thing that I saw him do was release a clothing line. Um, which, you know, at uh, at fifteen. I'm not quite sure really if, if that's the right focus uh, or the right focal point for him as a, as a footballer, you know, nothing, nothing against people wanting to earn money. That's, it's not really that case, but you know, when you see sort of the, the dedication, someone like Reese James, for example, is I think a really great example who literally has just worked his ass off, for, you know, a number of years, you know, his dad's kept him sort of on the straight and narrow. He's, he's everything he does is professional and it's all super kind of the, the right thing to do. Um, and then you've got the, the opposite end of the scale would be someone like Misonda who, you know, wrong decisions. He's like has super emotional outbursts on social media. He's had like he's he's commissioned like documentaries to follow him around. I mean, you know, it's it's well it's all well and good to be ambitious and want to be, you know, at the level of Ronaldo or you know Zidane who have had documentaries made about them. But at 16, when you haven't kicked the ball for the first team, when you haven't even trained with the first team, I think there needs to be a little bit of a a kind of ringing in of of, of some of that ambition. But you know, I think the thing with him is that there is obviously a super talented player in there somewhere. Um, I think for him, it's just a question now of actually going to play or play some level of professional football. You know, there was a certainly some noise, probably, a, I don't know if it was a year ago or six months ago, where he might not actually play again after this sort of latest injury. So you know, for him, it's going to be a big thing about actually just trying to go and play some football. I don't think he will make it at Chelsea. Um, you know, that's at 23 now, unless he... He goes on loan and then, you know, the, all of the talent that's been there just suddenly kind of, you know, material, sort of, you know, materializes in front of our face. Um, but yeah, just a, a, an interesting guy. I think in general, I, I think if he was to go back and redo his career, I think potentially he would look at uh, things in a slightly different way. But again, I think another player who 
maybe hasn't quite adapted to the fact that, you know, wingers are expected to defend these days, attacking midfielders are expected to defend. Um, even when I've seen him on loan and he's had some really good highlight moments at Celtic and even I think he had a good spell on the Poyet at uh, Real Betis at some point. But the reason he just go, he comes out of the team is that he just has a flat-out refusal to defend. And unless you are Eden Hazard, which he's not, you know, and I, if, he's, if you ever listen to this podcast, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a dismissal of his talent. You're just, you're just not as good as he's in Hazard, uh, not as good as Eden Hazard, who he did a bit of defending. Um, then you're, you're not going to get picked by a, by a professional team. Certainly, going in on loan, the, the minimum requirement is that you work hard. Um, you know, he's, he's got the talent with the ball, but questionable, I think, without it. So, yeah, I think if he plays football at any level, it'd be a really big win for him personally. But I don't see that being at. Uh, Chelsea at this point in his career all right well that it, I mean those are the attackers I mean I guess tweets I can open up to any of the academy forwards or attackers here but I think we've pretty much covered everything coming out you know obviously Armando Broja already went on loan um you know I guess Livermento there's a couple in there but it's really all about you know what we've currently got and it's pretty set in stone with those three top guys in the striker role yeah I know I was just looking at sort of the list that we've got here that the three Three interesting names. I mean, Silco Thomas is is super highly rated in the academy. Um, I'm not sure how how he'll translate sort of to to adult football going forward, but at the moment he looks to be one of the sort of the electric kind of forwards that we that we produce. Um, Brian Fiabemo, obviously the, the the young guy we've signed from from Norway recently, um, super super talented, and obviously being in Scandinavia, you know, I've heard about him a fair bit from people who are into sort of uh, academy football over here. He's he's very very highly rated. And the last one, really, I think, is uh, Judson at Bell, who, again, obviously part of Team Double Barreled Name, which is obviously a prerequisite for, for people to be a, uh, right, be a Chelsea player. Um, he's one to keep an eye on. I think certainly I've, I've seen a, quite a bit of him for the England youth team. Um, seen a few matches of him for the Chelsea, uh, Chelsea sort of younger age groups. And he looks to be a pretty talented guy um, in terms of just his, his general kind of style of play. I froze. You back, Brandon? I froze. Yeah, yeah you're good. <laughs> okay. Joe just ended, so you just do a clap and edit that. Pause out. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the Attackers episode. Again, three-part series. Goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, attackers. Go check them all out. Let us know what you think. As always, Discord, the best way to get to us. Otherwise, Twitter and Instagram as well. Tweets, thank you, sir. Again, seven and a half hours with you in one day has been great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> obviously it's not been that long but uh still nonetheless a lot went into this so uh let us know what you think nick and dan as always gentlemen thank you uh listeners we built a team we built a team yeah, well we'll see I'll, I'll i've got it listed here we'll uh we'll post it out there and we'll let you guys uh you know comment and let us know what you think but until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high